Welcome to our Straight to the Comments mini episode. And if you're new to our minis, basically we start off with a comment guessing game. This week I'm going to be reading the comments and Sarah, you're going to be guessing. Uh, We will then go into our question of the week. And then we'll round things up with our crazy celebrity predictions. Okay, Sarah, are you ready to play? I absolutely am. Let's do this. Okay, here is your first comment. They are the beginning of the end of civilization as we know it. Um, I'm pretty sure we already did an alien episode, so I'm definitely <laughs> going to need another clue, I think. Okay. Second comment. I blame the parents. I mean, that could be anything. Like, just anything. Everything. <laughs> Any bad behavior. <laughs> yeah. All right. Give me more. Give me more. Okay. This is the third and final comment. They have this idea that life is free and work is an optional extra where the employer is privileged to have them. Oh, this is all that Gen Z stuff, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw a story about this. Yeah. 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 Okay. It all makes sense now. This was really kicking off a few weeks ago because Jodie Foster said in a Guardian interview that she found Gen Z, the generation born roughly between 1997 and 2012, to be really annoying, especially in the workplace. And she said, they're like, no, I'm not feeling it today. I'm going to come in at 10.30. Or in emails, I'll tell them, this is all grammatically incorrect. Did you not check your spelling? And they're like, why would I do that? Isn't that kind of limiting? What? Oh, okay. Well, this is going to get me annoyed now because as Lisa knows, but maybe everyone doesn't know, I really like spelling and grammar. I like I like rules. Um, <laughs> I just like good writing. You know, I wouldn't hold it against. You, there's loads of people with dyslexia, things like that. I don't mind. But to say, oh, why would I bother checking my spelling? It's so limiting. It's completely different to, you know, I'm, I really struggle with this. I've got dyslexia. I've got some. There's fucking spell check. <laughs> I know. You know? You know, if I had spell check back in my day or Grammarly, I would have been flying because, you know, I remember being quite young and I loved creative writing and English and yeah. drama. And my teacher really crushed my little eight-year-old heart saying that I really struggled with my spelling and to be understandable, but I had lovely ideas. And oh. for years I have struggled. You know, I'm a speed typer and you're yeah. the one that kind of cleans up a lot of my mess <laughs> and hieroglyphics. So I'm always mm. on the side of the bad spellers in life. But I'm like, now I, you've got all these tools. Why would you not use them? But my only thing would be, are they potentially saying that because they're embarrassed to say that they struggle with spell check? Or do they genuinely feel so entitled? Well, that's the hard thing to know, isn't it, from just her perspective, because also there's that thing, isn't it, like text speak. Um, and yeah. I still struggle. I mean, do you remember when you first like people used to say, see you later with an eight in it? And I'd be like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're starting to sound like old fussy aunts, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Bring it on. I'm going to get yeah, yeah. my uh, Miss Marple knitting out. And yeah. <laughs> I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> But this story, as you can imagine, really did go viral. Yeah. I think she really hit on a nerve, Jodie Foster, and it nearly blew up the mail online servers. Uh, so there's thousands of comments like this. They do the bare minimum of work and are more concerned when the next tea break is coming. They answer back when asked to do tasks and everything is a drama. Yeah. Yeah. The drama thing is, it's a bit much, you know, yeah. and, and it makes sense because everyone is trying to sell their life in the most exciting way on social media. So I think that filters down to seeing everything. Everyone thinks they're living in Netflix, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And this is the thing that I was thinking about is that 
I was genuinely quite scared of my first boss. Like I, I think mm. you do feel like there's big chain of command and you should respect your elders and your boss. Whereas I see now much more of a chilled vibe. Uh, like, why would I do that? No, I'm cool. You're not. It's much more that kind of attitude, right? It reminds me more of, um, you know how people would call their teachers by their first name? And when I was growing up, it was like, um, Miss so-and-so or whatever. It's that kind of, oh, I couldn't possibly. I like this quote because it gives another perspective. My friend is a HR manager in a very large business. She said in 10 years, complaints of bullying and general grievances has gone up four times. And 90% wow. of all complaints are from the under 24s, which I Jeez. thought was fascinating. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, you can look at it from a couple of different perspectives. So the question for me is, are they um, more entitled? Do they complain more? Do they have a lower threshold? They feel they deserve more and they're not willing to put up with it. Or is there an element where we got so used to actual bullying as being the norm that we didn't notice it or we didn't think we had the right to say anything? So, you know, I think of my mum saying, oh, back in the day, uh, a boss would chase you around the desk and that was just normal. People would always be patting you on the butt and you just had to like suck it up. And you would never think to complain because that's just like, this is yeah. what to expect. And now, of course, we'd be like, absolutely you should complain if your boss is grabbing your ass and for that i think we've we've improved i would say the the newer perspective is the healthy perspective so it's really hard to know without examples i think when i initially read that it's almost like it feeds into this idea that they're wanting to be more like victims it's easy to kind of mm -hmm. take that perspective but then i do think no they are probably not putting up with the overwork the low level harassment They've got more um, thoughts about like how they want to spend their days and their time in a good, emotionally healthy environment. Things that I wouldn't even have the language for, Sarah, back when I started my career. Totally. And I would say it's probably a little bit of both. So depending on um, the example. And I, I also think, you know, they've talked a lot about it's it's so demotivating now that, that you know, it's hard for them to ever own a house to get somewhere mm. you're bound to put up with a lot less if there's not going to be a payoff at the end so a lot of us you know maybe would have been like I'm going to suck it up because I can then make it and I've got these goals and I really want to achieve something and I'll shovel shit for a few years because that'll get me somewhere and also that feeling of like the people before me had to shovel shit so it's like this is part of just what you do yes and then if you're getting to a point where you're like maybe I'll never get on the property ladder maybe there are no opportunities. You're like, well, why would I shovel shit then? Why would I? Because there's no payoff. When it's harder and harder to buy a home, you have to rent mm. and live with thousands of friends, um, even marry mm. your friends to own a place. It's getting a bit nuts. I can understand why they think, oh, get lost. Yeah. But then I'm going to just, I'm going to pendulum swing to give like be devil's advocate. You know, I live in Africa mostly and I see a lot of hustle people who, and there's no, there's no um, safety net. So you, you can't go for benefits if you've moved here from Malawi. And it's like, people will stand at the traffic lights, giving out their numbers, giving out their CVs. They will hustle. They'll have side hustles. And a lot of the time when they do get work, they're so grateful that they can now feed their kids or whatever, or it's not a begrudging thing. I'm not saying that that should be the norm at all, obviously, but there's a slightly different attitude here. And I think mm. that's quite interesting as well, that we like mm. often look at this whole Gen Z thing. And I think it is quite a Western 
phenomena, this idea that Gen Z is a certain way. Mm. And also there is that switch where I think people don't want to do the intermediary steps to get to the um, payoff as well. I feel like people watch the Kardashians, they watch this influencer lifestyle and they go, oh, but I could just, or OnlyFans, and I'm not judging any of those people, but they could just be like, well, why can't I do this and instantly be minting it? And it's like a lot of people of our parents' generation, they had to do things like, my my parents worked 18 hour days for 20, 30 years before they were doing well. And then, you know, Mm. people don't want to do that hard work anymore. It's a bit like people not wanting to oh, you don't want to go to the, everyone wants a quick fix for things and we're so immediate. And it's, I I do think that we've been, patience has been read out of us with technology. I think that's so true. And I remember, um, I think there was a great scene at the end of Extras with Ricky Gervais, where he's in the Big Brother house. And he gives this famous monologue where he says, nobody wants to be firemen or women. Nobody wants to be Mm. nurses and doctors anymore. They all want to be influencers. They all want to be famous. So who's going to be left in society? Yeah. This brings me to this great quote, which I think sort of fits into what we're discussing. And it says, the next generation is going to be in for a huge shock. The older generation who are qualified and work to keep countries running will retire and eventually die. The younger generation will have no one to blame but themselves for no farming, no food, no one to repair things, no one to improve anything, and no one to complain to or demand anything from. Best of luck, you're going to need it. Which is quite a sign off. Yeah. Quite a bleak perspective. Yeah. And I just want to counterpoint by that and say it really is this idea of um, all generations being the same because. There are some really conscientious people in that generation in the same way they were mm. some maybe really entitled and lazy people in our generation or the other generation, you know? Yeah. If there is too much of a balance, I will say necessity is a great motivator. If they, if they need food, yeah. they're going to they're gonna work out how to farm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that negative about things. I think it's like, you know, we learn from our past mistakes and go, okay, well, what would I do if I was going to have kids and parent them? Is there something I would have learned from the previous generation's mistake in parenting? But ultimately, I think there are some, like I've said about here in Africa, there are some amazing people in every generation. Yeah. And now I'm reflecting, do I know any Gen Zers? I'm showing up my age. And I think when I first got to Norway and I worked in my first startup, and I was considerably older than most of the people there. I think they were straight out of uni. And um, I did notice that they took phones into meetings and looked at their phone a lot at their desk. Even I was then noticing a generation gap, like that's rude. Like, and they couldn't wait to go back to their desks and put their ear pods in and kind of avoid you and just get on with their tasks. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that. I have noticed it with my baby cousins. You know, they're on their phones all the time. I suppose I am a bit more now, um, but it's almost like they didn't learn as much the skills of interacting because they didn't have the same practice we did, you know, growing mm. up. I didn't have, we didn't have a, we didn't have a CD player until I was 13 and I went and bought one. You know, it, <laughs> we were very like, uh, in the other direction. So you just had to go and play. You had to talk to people, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I would want to see more of that coming in, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I have noticed that, but I think every, I've, one of my mum's um, best friends is her generation and she's also always on her phone. You can't, you can't, almost can't have a conversation because she's half on her phone the whole time. 
So mm. actually, that's quite interesting is it's it's not just, I think it's society in general with this yeah. new technology. It's just that they've been exposed to it for longer. Exactly. You know, we've kind of now that it's coming down the generations and it's like, oh, they've not suffered the Gen Z generation like we had yeah. to, you know. Uh, and I think it's just like an age old thing. And it made me laugh because um, I, I did find this quote and it said, funniest thing is, it's like Plato when he called the kids lazy and unmotivated. <laughs> we truly all are living the same lives, just with different furniture. Going back millennia. I bloody love Plato. <laughs> <laughs> he had it all That's sorted brilliant. out, right? All sorted out. Um, but Sarah, before we end this chapter, are you ready to do a vibe check? Um, am I going to need any special equipment for that? <laughs> no, no. We're just checking each other's energy and that nothing sus is going on. Okay. And that we're not acting salty or chuggy or showing hands or taking several seats. I know. I've been swatting up on my Gen Z. So we really need to get up. as <laughs> Gen Z speak. So we really need to get to the next section. Well, I feel old. <laughs> Time for question of the week. And when I did a shout out on Instagram uh, for some questions, I was quite surprised because we got the same request quite a few times. And that was to have an update about Justin Timberlake and Britney and specifically him not apologizing to her. So, Sarah, do you want to give a bit of the backstory on this? Yeah. So the backstory is a couple of weeks ago, Britney shared a post on Instagram on, on a Sunday saying she was sorry if she'd offended any of the people I genuinely care about in her memoir, which is called The Woman in Me. And she posted the apology along with a clip of Justin Timberlake singing on Saturday Night Live and added, I also wanted to say I'm in love with Justin Timberlake's new song, Selfish. It is so good. And how come every time I see Justin and Jimmy together, I laugh so hard? So that sort of seems like, you know, things mm. are good between them. But then yeah. she's since deleted the apology and accompanying posts after Timberlake appeared to respond during his concert in New York on Wednesday. And in a video, Timberlake could be heard telling the crowd, I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. He's going hard on that mm. then. Yeah. And Spears actually deleted her apology and then appeared to respond to Timberlake in another message. And it read, someone told me someone was talking shit about me on the streets. Do you want to bring it to the court or will you go home crying to your mum like you did last time? I'm not sorry. <laughs> that Bloody hell. The drama. <laughs> seems like he started it though so some of the comments on his instagram for example one was saying by saying he has nothing to apologize forever he has lost all my respect hopefully his tour is a complete failure wow you know he's he's already um i I don't think he was doing so well in public opinion anyway so to double down on the fuck you i'm not apologizing and she'd come out of the gate with something you know quite nice she was almost like promoting his song he didn't need to say, I don't apologize. He could have just not apologized, but said, oh, thank you so much for the shout out. So that's a real fuck you. But it makes me think of apology tours a lot. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, he's not getting the memo, right? No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in the internet age that we're living in, I think there's been quite the norm now for celebrities or influencers to come out with these big sort of apology videos or apology <laughs> posts, often typed up on notes and then shared on Instagram. And we discussed in our full episode on Justin Timberlake how he has not always been so reactive when he's made the wrong move or seemingly seen sincere in his apologies. Yeah. Um... He has apologized, but he's often waited, it felt like, uh, you know, until it was really bad enough to. 
Yeah. And yeah. and it felt very much like maybe he was told to by his PR and it didn't feel quite like a genuine, oh, I've realized I've done something wrong and I'm taking responsibility. It's more like I want to dissipate people's anger towards me. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's not backing off this time. He's not even going mm-hmm. down there. And uh, it's really backfiring, I think. When he started posting again on Instagram about his new music and tour, someone commented, you have no class. Another person said, we asked for NSYNC, not this. And finally, all females should boycott him. Uh, so, you know, this comeback, I don't think it's going to take off, really. And I think what's interesting about this is I think a lot of the fans were waiting for perhaps um, a comeback tour with um, NSYNC and uh, also this apology to Britney. So I think people have been waiting for this, but neither have uh, materialised. Someone said about his new song, oh, good, another man telling the world to be selfish and unapologetic. Mm. And actually, just this morning, I think Justin has come out or a source has come out and said that he wants to sit down with Oprah to publicly address the fallout of this spat uh, with Britney. And and Justin is really not happy, apparently, with how things have gone down. He did want the music to speak for itself, but clearly that's not happening. And someone said in the comments... As a publicist, I say don't. People are not in a good place with this guy right now. And if he thinks pushing more onto the masses is the answer, he's getting bad advice. His reputation and personality have finally come home to roost. And his recent actions around Britney and with his former bandmates have solidified opinions. He needs a rebrand with a solid foundation, not another celebration of self as is. And I just wanted to get to the root of this, Sarah. You know, should he be forced for PR reasons, to do an apology. I mean, don't we, a lot of us find these interviews with Oprah very performative and a little bit crocodile tears? I think it's the same for all of us, right? None of us likes to say, I'm sorry if we don't really mean it. And I I, I personally don't like to receive an apology that I know is just uh, kind of lip service. But at the same time, in the world of PR, He's not in a good place right now. And I will say, just to give him a bit of the benefit of the doubt, we've had Britney's memoir. We've only heard her side of the story. But people seem to be accepting it. And she's also in a particularly sensitive space where a lot of people are very protective of her. They see her as the victim. It's going to be very hard to change that narrative to actually that's not really how it went down. She's described it in such a way that like that's not what happened at all. And you have to be really careful sort of like which approach you're going to take. I think if he was going to do a genu- uh, do an apology tour, it needs to be something that he's genuinely, is genuinely true. I, th- I mean, he, he would have been better off going away and waiting for it to die down a long time and coming back yeah, I think in a so. different way with behavior that shows change. Because I think that's true with all of us, right? Like wh- I read this thing that it said, um, an apology without a change in behavior means nothing that's a really good way of putting it because there is something about the fact that he was so angrily non-apologetic on that stage and you've got to think at the end of the day whatever you think of Britney I think most people agree that she's got serious mental health issues or emotional issues she's not someone you really want to go after right you just like have Mm. a dignified silence you know who I think handled a similar situation really well was the Queen. So do you remember the whole Meghan, Meghan Harry thing where they, yeah. after the Oprah interview and they accused her of a lot of stuff? And so maybe like for her, she's like, the stuff they've said isn't true and I haven't got anything to apologize. So instead of like fake apologizing, she just said, you know, I'm sorry they feel like this and recollections may vary. And for me, that was really classy. I thought that was such a brilliant line and it was so 
she didn't invalidate them but she also didn't kind of like confirm it and I think that Justin in comparison just he like like they said in the comments he's just emphasizing his brattiness yeah yeah totally so it's it's really just reinforcing the sort of view people already had of him as a bit of a dick <laughs> but these apology videos have become a bit of an art form and you know it was a bit of a joke a few years ago when every youtuber kind of had to apologize for something to the point that <laughs> yeah. it actually became like an art form and like there was a sort of script you could follow yeah and i actually wanted to try out my own apology to our listeners, Sarah, if you'd let me. Oh, okay. And I I got ChatGPT to help me. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead. Take your space. (laughs) I want to have a heart to heart with all of you. I've been doing some serious reflecting lately and I realise I owe you all a massive apology. You see, I've been a little bit extra in our recent podcast episodes and by extra I mean I've been obsessed with talking about Madonna. (laughs) I get it, guys. Not everyone shares my undying love for the Queen of Pop. And for those of you who felt a bit bombarded by my constant references to her, I am truly sorry. (laughs) So consider this my official pledge to dial it back. Uh, From now on, I'm committed to keeping our podcast discussions on track without veering off into Madonna every five minutes. And your feedback means everything to me. And I'm so grateful to each and every one of you in our amazing community. Your support fuels my passion for what we do. And I never want to let you down. So thank you for holding me accountable. And please know that I hear you loud and clear. Let's make our podcast journey even more epic together, minus the Madonna overload. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just snort laughed. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to give you a 7 out of 10 for sincerity. But I also, I, what I want to know is how did ChatGPT, it knows you really well, if it knows how obsessed with Madonna you are apparently everyone knows you're obsessed with Madonna including AI so (laughs) so yeah maybe maybe dial it back a little you know who knows yeah (laughs) thanks Sarah it means a lot to me Mm -hmm. nicely done just wiping away the tears now (laughs) like all the makeup's running oh (sighs) actually to do those apologies and then to read the comments in YouTube underneath must be really like exhausting You didn't seem sincere enough. Anyway, I think we've come to the end of our episode. We've tackled Gen Z. We've tackled Justin Timberlake. Let's get to the celebrity predictions or the crazy celebrity predictions. You go first. Well, mine is quite a crazy celebrity prediction and it's more of a wish, I suppose. Um, Oh, uh, so I'm hoping I can manifest it just by <laughs> just by by speaking it. So Tracy Chapman, who's one of my favorite singers, she recently mm. did a duet of one of her best songs, which is Fast Car, with this guy called Luke Combs. I don't know him. He's a country singer, an American country singer. Oh, yeah, but they I saw that did. Clip. Yeah. yeah, they were on the Grammy Awards. And she hasn't really done much for ages. Her last tour was in 2009, and I've pretty much given up hope of ever seeing her perform live. But I'm hoping, I'm crazily predicting, that after this epic performance, people are so enamored that she's forced to do a world tour, and she comes to Cape Town, and I get to see her, and then I meet her, and we become friends. (laughs) Oh, that would be amazing. So, Lisa, what is your celebrity prediction? Which uh, celebrity do you want to become friends with? (laughs) Well, guess what? Yeah. I know I just did my apology, but I'm going to go and break it straight away because I'm not very (laughs) sincere. So Madonna will surprise us by... (laughs) 
<laughs> Madonna will surprise us all by launching her own line of Material World smart home devices featuring like a prayer voice activated virtual assistant and the ray of light energy efficient lighting system. <laughs> What do you think? Oh, I mean, I mean, they're nicely named. I like that. Yes. It depends. Do you have to pray every time before the the smart system does stuff for you? <laughs> or oh, do yeah. you um, have to sing one of her songs? Can you imagine? Like you have to like, you have to vogue before they let you do it. <laughs> no, you can do the clapping like in the like a prayer video. Nice. I call my name. It's like, like a, a little and then it's like, prayer. I think we need to fade out here. (laughs) So next week, we're coming with another main on medical speculation and uh, all the gossip around Kate Middleton and Selena Gomez. So stay tuned. Jamie Foxx. Oh, and Jamie. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. See you soon. See you next time. Bye. Thank you to our lovely producer, Emily. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. It really does help us in reaching more people. You can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at S2TC Podcast. You can find out more about the show, get behind the scenes, come and say hello. Until then, see you next time. This podcast has been produced by Emily Crosby Media. 